see you're watching already. Haven't seen you in person in a while. Glad everybody's doing better. Uh, welcome to all those who are watching online, either live or later. Uh, we welcome you. We gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, and it's a blessing and honor and privilege uh, to be with you today. We've had a uh, Three different households uh, affected recently by the COVID-19 virus in the in the congregation, and we've got three or four other households that are traveling or not feeling well that are home today. So we're pretty sparse here in the sanctuary, but uh, praise the Lord, we live in a day and age when by technology we can still gather together. So uh, remember to pray for us uh, here where we're located in Gooding County in Idaho, the... Uh, Cases of the COVID-19 have gone up pretty drastically in the last few weeks. And so we have the greatest number of active cases that we've had since this pandemic began today. So please remember us um, and uh, pray God's blessing and protection over us. And we will do the same thing for you. Pray, God, pray God's blessing and protection over you this morning and in the days ahead as well. We're going to conclude our sermon series, Winning over worry today. Our uh, sermon for today is a new morning. And the passage in the Bible, I encourage you to get out your Bible or your Bible app, however it is that you read God's Word these days, and go to the Old Testament to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to take a look at verses 21 through 24 today. And uh, you don't hear a whole lot of sermons on Lamentations chapter 3, but you're going to hear one today. Now, if you'd like to respond to this, you can. Uh, by raise of hand, have you ever been deeply troubled by God? Have you ever been deeply troubled by God? Um, that's a hard one to admit, isn't it? But we've all, at one time or another, been troubled by God. Uh, perhaps you've sensed that he was distant, or you even thought he doesn't even seem to care about your life or your troubles. Uh, maybe even today, during this calamity that we call COVID-19, uh, you feel like God must be against you. People have lost their jobs. Um, there's no work to be found. Uh, people have been ill. Uh, many of us know, probably all of us know somebody that's passed away. Um, you could feel like God must be against you. As we're walking through a difficult season in life, perhaps we're asking the question, where is God when my life is such a struggle? We're going to look at the most appropriately named book in all of Holy Scripture, the Bible, to help us understand this deeply personal question. We're going to be, as I said, in the book, of Lamentations. Uh, since many of us may not be familiar with this seldom studied book, I'll catch us all up here a little bit. Lamentations is a fancy word that we understand, but pretty much never use or hear outside of the church. Lamentation means, Lamentations means collection of laments. And to lament is to express deep regret or grief or sorrow through words or actions. And if that wasn't sufficiently depressing, the book of Lamentations is actually a series of five funeral dirges. 
a, a recitation to music that would be done as part of a funeral uh, observance. It's in the running to be the saddest writing in the Bible. The whole book is a poem of pain, a symphony of sorrow, a bag full of bummers. Now you can tell I like alliterations. Strung a few together there for you this morning. Lamentations has been called the wailing wall of the Bible. It was written by the prophet Jeremiah who is called the weeping prophet. About now you're getting worried and you should. We're going to spend a good 30 minutes uh, on this. Hang in there. The author of Lamentations, Jeremiah, began his public ministry when he was about 17 years old. He preached for 40 long, painful years. Furthermore, the poor guy was thrown on a dunghill, thrown into a muddy cistern hole. He was ridiculed, laughed at, and experienced zero conversions. Um, from everything that we can tell from Scripture and history. Jeremiah warned the nation of Judah that God would bring Babylon, their enemy, to judge his people for their sins. And finally, the day of reckoning came, and it was catastrophic. The book of Lamentations is Jeremiah's series of laments over the destruction of Jerusalem. He wrote the book after he had walked among the rubble of what remained. The Babylonians decimated the city. They demolished the wall. They desecrated the temple. And they destroyed many lives. It was the darkest day in Israel's history. Lamentations was written to reflect on this devastating moment. In Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah was in the midst of a season when it actually seemed to him like God was his enemy. In, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, the weeping prophet, prophet let it all hang out. His language was real and raw. I encourage you to go there and read it. In striking imagery, he spoke of the ways God had afflicted his mind and his body. He described anguish over a God who shuts out my prayers, chapter 3, verse 8. He felt that God was stalking him like a bear or a lion and had torn him into pieces, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. So now let's pause here for a moment. Jeremiah's laments wouldn't exactly make for a very good Christian radio song, would they? God won't hear my prayers and he's like a bear who mauls and dismembers me. Um, that isn't what we would call positive, encouraging Christian music, is it? Instead, this lament reminds us of a seldom acknowledged truth. God wants us to be authentic, not sanitized. There's some actually some great freedom in that. Frustration, fear, disappointment, anger, embarrassment, those are all real feelings. Don't pretend to God like they don't exist. You're free to be real with God. Last week I challenged you to wear a rubber band around your wrist for just one day and snap it every time you became burdened with worry. 
This week I have another one day challenge for you. Today after church, write out your own lamentation and then read it back to God out loud. Grieve over a shattered dream, a messed up marriage or a lost child. Allow yourself to feel the emotions and sadness and put these into words. And remember that God is listening to you. There's one more step in the grieving process that I'll tell you um, before the sermon is over. So stay tuned. Now, back to Jeremiah's lamentation. Jeremiah wraps up this lengthy section with heartbreaking words found in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone. And all that I had hoped from the Lord. Jeremiah understands the depth of the question, where is God when I'm struggling? But then he goes on in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. Jeremiah offers his intensely personal response to these very real, raw feelings. Let's read there together. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning of verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. So, you can reboot your mind. Just like a computer, you can reboot your mind. Jeremiah exclaims this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In the midst of his sorrow and pain, Jeremiah recalled to mind some yet undisclosed aspects of God's character. The verb translated to call to mind or to recall, it means to return or to remember. The word translated mind is the word for heart, which in Hebrew thought at the time these lamentations were written, was thought to be the center of one's being. Jeremiah testified that he had to remember God's character and mentally rehearse what he believed about God. This discipline of reminding himself of the truth about God led Jeremiah to exclaim, Therefore, I have hope. The Hebrew verb to have hope has the sense of enduring with expectancy. Jeremiah shows us that biblical hope doesn't come from circumstances. It comes for circumstances. The hope is based on what you know to be true despite the circumstances around you. And that hope will guide you through the circumstances. In other words, you live through suffering by what you believe, not by what you see or feel. What a truth for life amidst a pandemic and, and all the things that it's caused in our lives. The key to coping is hoping in God. Here are two simple ways you can reboot your mind. First of all, take responsibility for your mind. You can't always control what you remember, but you can always choose 
what you call to mind. Don't focus on your problems. Don't blame people or circumstances. Instead, preach to your own mind and your own heart. Recall a verse of Scripture. Remember a time when God demonstrated His grace and mercy to you. Pray for the discipline to recall and stay in a state of remembering who God is and what He's done for you. And the second way is know the Bible. One of the reasons you need to know your Bible is so that you have portions of Scripture that you're able to call to mind. If you don't know the Bible, you won't be able to recall any of it to your mind. The Holy Spirit uses the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, that we've stored away. We must remember that the key to coping is hoping in God. We can hope in God by taking responsibility for our minds and knowing the Bible. You can reboot your mind. What we should call to mind. So returning to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, what exactly should we, as it says there, call to mind? Well, in verse 22, Jeremiah confidently declares, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. The word Lord, which is capitalized in our English versions, is a Hebrew name, Yahweh. The name for God speaks of His covenant commitment to His people. And the Hebrew word translated great love, has said, is a word rich with meaning. I think the best translation of this word is loyal love, because it expresses God's covenant love for His people. I also like the translation from the ESV, the English Standard Version, where it's called steadfast love, because it conveys love that never gives up, never quits. The Lord's loyal Love indeed never ceases. That helps us understand the context. God is making a promise and then saying He's going to be loyal to that promise. It speaks of love that will not let go because it doesn't depend on emotion but on an act of the will. God was sticking by the people He had chosen. God loves us because He promised to love us and nothing can cause Him to break His promise. The ultimate hope for us isn't in our ability to keep God's commands, but in God's ability to keep on being God. He remains faithful to His people because of His commitment to them and to Himself. What a God we serve. Perhaps the most painful statement a person can ever hear is, I don't love you anymore. Those words break hearts, end relationships, and shatter dreams. Often, people who have been betrayed protect themselves against future pain by deciding not to trust or even risk anyone's love again. That settled conviction may even include how they perceive God's love. But God won't stop loving us no matter what. His loyal love will never fail. You hear me? It will never fail. Despair may blind us to His love, but His love doesn't go away even when we can't see it 
or feel it. But when we recall to mind these truths, they go from invisible to revisible. The key to coping is hoping in God. May we hope in Him today. The eternal commitment of God's love. What is the reason Jeremiah gives for the eternal commitment of God's love? How can we know God will keep loving us? Jeremiah answers these questions in the second part of verse 22. For his compassions never fail. The word compassions is plural. And that's pretty unusual in English. Normally compassion counts for singular and plural. But not always. God's compassions are plural because his mercy is intense and limitless. The word compassions expresses the emotional side of love. In the Old Testament, the word even referred to a child developing in his or her mother's womb. And let me pause here just briefly and encourage you in the upcoming election on November 3rd, please vote as if a child's life depends on it. The womb is the place where the baby knows the faithfulness and compassion of the mother most intimately. God's compassion and love are the source of faithfulness to you as well. God is moved in his heart when he thinks about you. But he's not just moved with a goosebump type of love. He is moved toward you. A simple definition of compassion is love in action. Furthermore, God's compassions never fail. This verb means to never come to an end. God will continue expressing his compassion toward you. A question that begs to be answered is, when will God give us what we need? Jeremiah is clear that God gives his loyal love and compassion. But when? Verse, the first part of verse 23 tells us, speaking of God's acts of loyal love and compassion, it says they are new every morning. Jeremiah literally exclaims, new things for the mornings. I like that. Um, what does Jeremiah mean that God's loyal love and compassions are new? Well, he does not mean that they never existed in the past. Rather, he means that with each new day, we see evidence of God's love and compassions, and they're ready to be received. The word means fresh. God's loyal love and compassions are like that. They never quit. If God's loyal love and compassions are new every morning... You have the right to claim them daily. Let each day be the dawn of a new day. Start over again. No matter how many times you failed the day before, God's love and compassions are new every morning. I absolutely love seeing the sun rise. In the hours before dawn, everything is hope and expectation for the very reason that I know the sun will rise. It's a certainty. Jeremiah is saying this is even truer with God's loyal love and compassions. They are as certain and as fresh as a morning sunrise. They bring comfort, peace, and encouragement in the midst of life's worries and pressures. So, when you wake up in the morning 
Anticipate new expressions of God's loyal love and compassions. If you don't see them right away, ask Him for heightened spiritual sensitivity to see how God is revealing Himself to you. Just tell the Lord, I'm looking for your new and fresh love and compassions. Please help me to see who you are and what you've done for me. The key to coping is hoping in God. Great is God's faithfulness. Jeremiah now summarizes everything that he has written thus far by declaring in the second part of verse 23, Great is your faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness. The word faithfulness comes from the same word that we get our word, Amen. The basic root idea of this word is firmness or certainty. The word describes God's absolute dependability. Verse 23 is the best known verse in Lamentations. It's been memorialized by the popular hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. At the conclusion of my sermon, we'll be singing that hymn together, and I encourage you to please stay online to to sing the closing song along with us. After all, if I can open last week's sermon by singing Hard to Be Humble, you can sing Great is Thy Faithfulness today. The key to coping is hoping in God. Verse 24 concludes powerfully, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. Here Jeremiah says to himself, the Lord is my portion. Why does Jeremiah use the word portion? We don't normally use language like this to describe God. But when Lamentations was written about five to six hundred years before Jesus Christ was born, the people of Israel each had a plot or portion of land, which was their livelihood. They would use their portion of land to provide for their families. Some people might lease their piece of land, and they would take the income and buy food to feed their family. Or if they were farmers, they would farm the land, raising crops and livestock on it. That's what kept them alive. So when Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion, he's using this word picture to say, God is my life. He's the one who sustains me. He keeps me going. The Lord is my portion indicates that God alone is sufficient for us. Therefore, if we're not fully satisfied with God alone, we're immediately seized with worry and despair when any calamity hits. We must battle the constant temptation to find our portion in other people or possessions or pursuits. Now there's nothing wrong with finding joy in our health, in our marriage, in our finances or our hobbies. But God is better than any of the blessings He provides. God is better than great health. Some of the greatest men and women who have ever lived struggled through chronic health issues. Sickness and pain drove them to make the Lord their portion. God is better than marriage. Earthly marriage is just a shadow of the heavenly love that we crave. The tenderness, affection, and security we long for is found in the God who sent His one and only Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. 
If you want to be married, but you're not, God is your portion. If you're married and want to be single, God is your portion. There's nothing wrong with praying for the blessing of money. But God, He's better than money. He provides more meaning and more security than all the money in the world. God never crashes or dips, and He's promised to provide for all of our needs. God Himself is the best of all His blessings. Our hope is in the Lord. I recently read about a retired pastor who had been married 55 years. The last five years of his wife's life, she had a fast-progressing form of dementia. After his wife passed away, the former pastor shared something that surprised me when I read it. He shared that the most satisfying years of his life, spiritually speaking, have been in the absence of his beloved Lorna, his deceased wife. He explained that because he lost his wife and best friend of 55 years, he had to cling to Jesus Christ. And Jesus was his portion and the only source of his hope. So I ask you, is the Lord your portion? Do you find your soul's ultimate satisfaction in Him? If you lost many of God's blessings, would He be enough for you? The key to coping is hoping in God. Perhaps you notice that verse 21 and verse 24 both end with hope. The use of hope in these two verses frame or book in this passage. But I want you to notice in verse 24 that it adds the two-word phrase, in Him. Hope in Him. This significant addition makes clear where the foundation of Jeremiah's hope lies. How did Jeremiah survive a life and ministry that seemed hopeless? He understood the importance of hope in God. Do you? In the midst of utter despair, it's God's character and commitment that provide hope. There is no other hope apart from Him. In your discouragement and despair, are you hoping in the Lord? The key to coping is hoping in God. Will you endure in your expectation? Will you hope? In the Lord. Let's now return to the lamentation that you're going to write out after hearing this message. After you've poured your heart out to the Lord in writing, crying, perhaps screaming, look at your lamentation for a long moment. Feel the anxiety and agony. Then rip up your lamentation and throw it away. This is an act of faith that God himself is your portion, and you can process your lamentation in and through him. The very act of ripping up your sorrow and despair is part of what it can mean to cope and to hope in the Lord. The key to coping is hoping in God. 
Let's end now by singing together the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear God, we proclaim the words of this beloved hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Indeed, you are faithful. Your compassions are new every morning. And like the the beauty of the rising sun and the light that it sheds, may your love that never fails and your compassions that are always new bring light and life into our lives. Thank you, Father, that we can win over worry because you are for us and you are with us. Our, our happiness, our hope does not depend upon our circumstances. And we choose in this life to cope by hope in God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you.